0: Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 15 of Supergirl, titled In Search of Lost Time. I'm your host, David Schaub.
1: I'm Deanna Chapman, and I also host a
2: podcast called Welcome to Geekdom. I'm Brianna Teuber.
0: Welcome back, Deanna. You actually had already been on this podcast a year and a half ago, so it's nice to have you back.
1: Yes, thank you. It has been a while. (laughs)
0: I'll give you a quick recap on what happened in this episode. Serac trashes the D.E.O. plot. Oh, sorry. I meant Mirren loses control of the psychic powers, forcing everyone, including prisoners, to fight each other until John contains him. Mirren is much more sorry than Serac was. Lena helps Sam through stages of grief plot. Lena knows! But now she has to convince Sam. Lena emotionally manipulates Sam to force Rain to reveal herself. Sam confronts her reality after denial, anger, depression, and acceptance. Kara and Monel let their capes down. Mon El teaches Kara cape fighting. Kara's frustration plus Mirren's attack drive her to tell Monel how she really feels. And still no Emra to be seen in this episode. That was sort of my take on roughly what happened on this episode.
2: Sounds pretty accurate to me. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of how Kara sort of put her foot down when it came to 1L talking about certain things. She's just like, nope, not happening.
0: Overall, this episode probably had more adult conversations in the end than a lot of the previous season. So that was pretty nice.
2: Yeah. And it was addressing tough issues, but in a way that works.
0: So let's first take on the uh, plot of... The psychic attacks with Euron having difficulties. And this starts with charades. Not quite as fun as karaoke, but still pretty (laughs) good. What did people think of this scene?
1: You know, I thought this was a pretty interesting way to start getting him accustomed to just coming to game night and everything. Because game night is something we've seen with this core group of friends in various episodes so to have him and john invited it really just sort of helps everyone get adjusted to him being there and i think that's a really nice notion on their part too
2: yeah and i i found it really humorous when, when they're like you can't do that that's cheating dad you're shape-shifting that was i, I started giggling when that happened
0: One would think Martians have their own versions of charades. That's way more interesting. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I noticed on the second watching of this was that John really has already started parenting his father at this point. Right. There already is that edge of assuming to correct and making assumptions about his father. You can tell that we're already a little bit on the edge of one of the main plots of this episode.
2: Yeah, part of that could be cuz he's just trying to help his dad adjust cuz he knows he's been through a lot and he and John's ha, John has had more time to get used to earth culture than his dad has after being and his dad also spent a couple hundred years basically imprisoned. So it makes sense that John would be like, "I'm just here, let me shepherd you through this." Also, it's his dad, so yes, he's protective.
1: Yeah, of course. There's also some cute
0: references here. There's the reference to the fifth dimensional imp, which I suppose is Mitzloplik in another fashion.
2: I remember that guy. That was, that was an interesting episode. <laughs> Definitely, to say the least.
0: <laughs> I think I have to say I really did quite appreciate that. I think I asked once before how many shirts Kara goes through. And, and here we finally see Kara with a shirt that she likes and therefore takes your time.
2: Yeah, I, I actually did start laughing out loud. When that happened, my parents gave me a really weird look, so I had to pause for a minute to explain that they were basically kind of making fun of the superhero trope of constantly like ripping the shirt open. She's like, what? I like this one.
0: And I suppose, do either of you have a preference between Martian Manfather and Martian Dad Hunter?
2: I think both are pretty good.
1: It's <laughs> It's a, it's a uh... tough choice there.
2: <laughs> It's hard to choose, because they're both really funny.
0: Overall, I think it was a really nice nice first scene for the episode. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't last long before we're pushed into the confrontation in the bar with, I think, pronounced Kalinorian? Or, Empath.
1: Yeah. The thing with that scene is we don't really learn more about it until later in the episode, too, when we find out that it was the dad's doing and having these particular species of alien go a little crazy because of whatever his, I guess, telepathic prayer thing is that he's doing. It's kind of explained but it's still kind of a little confusing. I'm just like, why is he doing this if he's not sure of what other aliens are on this planet? Because clearly there are
2: other aliens on this planet. <laughs> and there are other telepathic aliens on this planet. We've, we've had to deal with that before.
0: I kind of like that they sort of ramp up the problem slowly by having uh, empaths who therefore would be more sensitive. Therefore, sort of, the, you get this one-off case before, of course, then ramps up and starts affecting everyone. So I think it did a good job of ramping the problem up and giving a nice question. And even as they get back to the DEO, they start throwing out theories, and one of the theories is entirely correct, which is signals crossed with another psychic.
2: Yeah, I kind of can't help but feel bad for that empath because she was just having a good time. The next thing she knows, she's... Locked up in a cell because there's something she doesn't realize is going on is happening, and she's just not having a good day.
0: Well, I said earlier that I think Mirren apologized more than Sarah. He probably had quite a bit more to apologize for. Mirren does quite a bit of damage in this episode.
1: And it wasn't just the physical damage to the DEO either. It really messed with their heads quite a bit, and they were like, oh my goodness, what did I just say? Sort of moments, and... You see that especially
2: with Kara later on. Well, with Kara, what I wanted to happen is her to put on the little device and then not feel any different. Because imagine if it hadn't been affecting her, if she had just been like had to get it all out, but it had nothing to do with the psychic attack.
0: I think it was sort of an amplification and or letting the floodgates loose than yeah. anything else. The scene also had our first super science of the episode with the orbits of planets, i.e., astrology affecting psychics.
2: Yeah, that was that was interesting sci- science, which I don't know about a lot about astrology and astronomy. So, but it it makes a lot more sense than some of the other explanations that have been provided for things.
0: Overall, the science in this episode is not bad. It's mostly non-existent, but they it's just they throw some words around every once in a while, and that's okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I'm fairly f- forgiving when it comes to science in comic book shows because so much of this is already made up anyway. It's like, well, why not do- Why not just let them make up their own science anyway?
2: <laughs> yeah, th- there is that.
0: Right after that, we get the sort of recap as to the search for the world killers. They sort of cover, I think, here and later that Emra and Brainy are out searching, which sort of means they don't have to act in this episode. But I really would have liked to see what was causing the river of blood coming off the ice sheet.
2: Yeah, and where was, where was that ice sheet? Because I'm assuming that all of these, like, I'm going to call them symptoms, only happen around pestilence. So where exactly was she? And how did she get from wherever that was to the city? Like, is she awake? If so, who woke her up?
0: There's definitely a difference in how they're treating Pestilence versus Purity and Rain. It almost feels more like Pestilence is a virus or a horrible thing that affects everyone, not a being that's walking around. Because the other two have generally been, while called world killers, pretty small scale in most of their activity. And that's certainly changed in Pestilence. So I don't quite know what that's going to look like when they actually do the introduction.
2: Yeah. I'm wondering, when are we going to see Purity again? because last we saw she was struggling really hard to not the Julia was struggling really hard to not sort of give over to purity but how did that fight go are we when we see her again which which one is it going to be
1: Yeah it does feel like they've strayed a little bit from the World Killer storyline especially with these first couple of episodes back from the break so I feel like they're Kind of slowly giving us these little pieces here and there to build up to a bigger finale at the end, with hopefully more than one episode resolving this, because sometimes I feel like these shows resolve things way too quickly. And I would like to see this drawn out maybe for a few episodes at the end of this season here. Yeah. They're definitely building it up nicely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that they are. And when there is the whole thing of Lena, like, helping Sam. I was just sitting there like, I called it. I called it. (laughs) About the transforming in rain. I was just like, yes, I got it.
0: I would assume purity is still in the fortress of sanctuary, but we really have no idea how they're responding to rain suddenly being missing. So I expect we'll find out in the next episode or two.
2: That could, that could put Lena in trouble. If the, person if the person basically sort of guiding all the world killers gets a hold of her and it's like what have you done with Moraine? what have you done with my person
1: yeah i think lena's in a little bit of hot water already because she's lying to james and she's just not telling anyone about any of what she's doing right now so either way we'll probably see lena in some trouble depending on
2: which group finds out first (laughs)
0: We'll definitely dig into that a lot later because there's there's a lot to discuss in that that wonderful set of scenes.
2: Yeah, but I think part of Eilina isn't telling anyone is because a she doesn't really understand what's going on, and b she knows if she does tell certain people, then Sam's life is going to be over. But she knows, like she's
0: definitely protecting Sam.
2: Yeah, and I'm kind of curious. Like, is she gonna maybe find a way to like help separate the two?
0: Getting back to the. Mirren plotline, we have the scene where Mirren and John are talking at home, and I have to say, I was kind of shocked by how kind of mean Mirren's joke he played on John was.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. That was beautifully deadpan.
2: I was just like, when I saw it, I was like, wait, is there like actually a fifth-dimensional M flying around and passing this family? What's going on? And then he started smiling, and I was like, okay, that's not cool. That's funny, <laughs> but that's not cool.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: But it is the point where John realizes what's going on. Between that and then them going back to the DEO, which is now going to set up the DEO having difficulties. Yeah. Because as soon as they're there, Miran starts to impact the people around, starting with Wynne and Demos.
2: Yeah, th- that almost went really bad really quick. Because I think that that was like one of the few points where someone almost got shot which I found surprising considering in the when things started ramping up and everyone was trying to beat up everyone. There are a lot of people there that have guns, and there weren't any shots being fired.
0: I'm not quite sure when they use guns versus when they use their taser devices, so it's a little unclear as to uh, why they use what weapon at what point. But yeah, it was a bit scary there.
2: Some of them probably just went for the nearest hard object that they could smack someone with.
1: Yeah, but they also do have like that whole room of weapons, too, that we see anyone can fairly easily get into because Wynn's mom just walked right on in there and grabbed a gun and left.
0: The unlocked armory. I I had words about that in the uh, previous podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of a bit of a security issue. Just a little bit. (laughs) Especially since we know for a fact that there exist aliens that cannot be caught on camera.
0: At least in this case, Alex is there to uh, lay waste to pretty much everybody <laughs> and get everyone disarmed and uh, on the floor.
2: And the whole thing was very cathartic for Kara because she was finally able to just let it all out. And thankfully, Monel was not a little pulp- a little smear on the floor after she was done with him.
0: They presented that hit she did as being really a big hit. And It's hard to tell, of course, because Monel is relatively tough.
2: There's probably a good chance that if he was human, that would have killed him, or at least broken a lot of things. So it's a good thing it wasn't like James she was pissed off at or something.
0: No doubt. Luckily also, John's there to try and shield everyone. But then John Mm -hmm. does something which I don't know if we've ever seen John make such a bad decision, which is he doesn't tell anyone.
1: Yeah, I was surprised it took him a minute to confide in anyone about that, because... If anyone would understand what was going on in that moment, it would be him because he seemed to be the only one who wasn't really affected by it. So that should be like the light bulb going off for everyone that, okay, maybe it was his dad.
2: Yeah. Maybe part of it is like he didn't want people to react badly or treat his dad like he's a threat, even though he kind of wasn't intentionally a threat. And there's also the thing of... Sometimes admitting it out loud means you also have to completely admit it to yourself, which is hard and scary.
0: In a way, John is protecting his dad in the same way that Lena is trying to protect Sam. But maybe it's the right call for Lena? Hard to tell. But it definitely was not the right call for John. And some people sometimes make mistakes, and that happens.
2: Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of parallels between those storylines, and I like how both of them ended with the person needed to decide to accept that they needed help.
0: It does come out very quickly, though, because very soon after we see Alex and Kara coming across the empath who is speaking in Martian, and the game's up.
1: Right. Yeah. My feeling was that he should have at least told Alex, since she's the one who already knows what's going on.
0: Yeah, that would have made sense.
1: And everything, because she caught on in the previous episode, so it's like, okay, well, if you're going to confide in someone, at least make it Alex, so someone knows what's going on, and they're not all left in the dark.
2: Because Alex is basically kind of like his adopted daughter for being real, and like even Mirren sort of treated treated her that way, so it's like, dude, you gotta tell her, like why, why are you not telling her?
0: Do you still get the, I think, one of the first great scenes of this episode, which is Alex and Kara talking to John about it and trying to talk about the challenges she had with, I think, was it her grandmother, who mm. ran a red light and had to have her license taken away. That is a hard thing that people have to deal with as their parents get older.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to accept that this sort of trading of places that happens. Which is something that John referenced. About like the father becoming the son, the son becoming the father. Or Didn't Alex originally say that? I don't remember.
0: I think that was Kara, actually. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of how horribly, horribly sad the children's book, Robert Munch's book, Love You Forever is. To which, if you ever want to see that see that being presented in a children's book, you can read that book. But you will be crying by the end of it.
2: <laughs> Great. I'm adding that to my list of things that I probably don't want to read.
0: <laughs> or it is read. very sweet.
2: At least not in public.
0: <laughs> yes. But however, it does lead us to uh, John confronting Mirren about it, which is, I think, another really powerful, well-acted scene by both actors.
2: Yeah, it it kind of broke my heart a bit, but it was so well done.
1: Yeah, there was certainly quite a bit of heavy material in this episode, no matter sort of which storyline you're looking at. Soon after
0: watching this episode, I also did rewatch the last bit of Star Trek Next Generation's third season episode, Serac, which has very strong similarities in many regards. And there's a very similar scene there where Serac and Picard have it out. However, right after that scene, everyone in the Enterprise doesn't suddenly end up in battle. So this ends much worse
2: well, everyone survived. That's all that matters, right?
0: Do we actually know that? Because basically, then all hell breaks loose. I like the brief scene we saw earlier of a white Martian as they passed it, and of course, the white Martian gets out.
2: Yeah, I, I. when when they sort when they had that scene of her walking by, and they focused on all the different aliens, I was like, why are they focusing on all these aliens? We haven't really seen before. Also, don't remember us having a White Martian or exactly where that one came from.
0: They've come across enough of them that they certainly it's plausible that a White Martian would have been there. Yeah. It's Chekhov's aliens. You, you, knew, you knew they were going to be fired later. <laughs> My question actually is, I don't remember anything about Pam from HR.
2: Oh. Yeah, I don't remember that either. I, I have no idea.
1: I don't know if it... This was tied directly to Pam from HR, but I know they had mentioned the HR department before when Kara and Monel were dating and everyone found out. It was like they had to go submit a form or something because it was DEO policy. That's like the only time I vaguely remember HR
2: popping up.
0: (laughs) I'm sure someone on the internet might be able to answer that question for us.
2: (laughs) Maybe they just needed someone to be angry at when and there's like, well, have to be somebody he doesn't run into very often, so why not someone from HR and we can call them um, Pam? Yeah, that's a normal name.
0: (laughs) It might have just been a one-off, it's true. So sometimes the uh, the fights are not maybe as inspiring in this show, maybe due to budget or people's interest in watching superhero fights. What did everyone think of the tremendous amounts of fighting in this climax of this plot?
2: Some of the stuff with the cape with the capes and the cape padding looked really cool but that was the main part that stuck out at
1: me yeah I feel like this was just one of those scenes where you know there's going to be a ton of CGI going on so I try to remind myself like okay this is a CW show it's not going to look like the movies but it'll be serviceable
0: <laughs> and I think it really was serviceable
1: yeah absolutely it did I think
0: a better job than the Supergirl and Rainfight earlier in the season I think this actually did a better job.
2: Yeah, and also the part where, like, everyone was fighting everyone. I don't think it was necessarily supposed to be artistic. It was just everyone just letting loose, letting it out, and smacking the people that irritate them with the nearest hard object. Which sounds very cathartic to me.
0: I think someone really wanted to have a disagreement with the Incredibles about no capes. <laughs> and they really wanted to show some capes being used coolly. And I'll give... If there's any show that really should show capes being used coolly, it's Supergirl and Superman type shows.
2: It was all very artistic and very pretty, but I'm also wondering how did she not, how how did like either her or certain man not realize, wait, I can do this with my cape?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not like any of them have been Kryptonian trained.
1: Yeah, that is true, because they've been on Earth the entire time that they've been wearing their capes, so it's not like they really knew anyone else who wore capes on a regular basis.
2: How did Monel figure it out again?
0: He's from the future. They know everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're going to use that line a lot, probably. Oh, I learned this thing in the future.
0: The only aspect of what I think was a CGI decision I didn't understand is... For the white Martian fight, they had John fight the white Martian instead of Kara. And I was wondering if that was because for John to fight the white Martian, they'd both be CGI, which probably simplifies the problem instead of having to do Kara and the white Martian. Because it seemed that John really would have stayed with his dad, but you, you never know, it's a white Martian. It, it makes sense either way. He
2: probably has more experience fighting white Martians.
0: Good
1: point. And he possibly wanted the White Martian away from his father since they go after any Green Martian.
0: Well, yeah, the White Martian was definitely heading to them. Yeah. And Kara did do her best trying to talk to Mir, and I really quite liked her line. I know how hard it is when everything we know to be true changes, but sometimes all we can do is just accept the way things are and make the best of that. I I like that line.
2: Yeah, she's handling things much better now. I'm proud of her.
0: And with the end of that plot, we get Mirren giving an amazingly heartfelt apology, I thought. And while they don't really say that no one got hurt or killed or that none of the prisoners actually escaped, so we don't really know how bad this was. Right. But his apology scene, I thought, was amazing.
2: Yeah, because he's, he's not an aggressive person. He's just scared. But at, at his heart, he's he, he's kind of like one of those granddads that's kind of a marshmallow a very loving marshmallow. At least
0: that's how I okay. see. <laughs> uh What did you guys overall think about this plot? Because this sort of filled the random alien problem of the week. And I thought this was really, really impressive.
1: I definitely agree. I think they did a nice job of making it personal enough, but also sort of detaching a little when all of the fighting is going on, because it's not like it was something that he was doing to try and hurt everyone in the DEO. It's something that's sort of more internally personal between him and Jean.
2: Yeah. I was, some parts of that were really touching and it's, I like how they made it something people can easily identify with, even though it was partially alien, but it's something people can identify with. So as they're watching struggle from one side or the other, like they, they understand.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's sort of like good sci-fi. they, took their premise to take something that is natural in human life and just make it big uh, to play around with it. And they did a really, really good job with it. I was really happy with this plot.
1: Yeah, they show how stubborn he is too, at first, because he doesn't want to be told what to do. He doesn't want John taking care of him. He wants to be able to do these things himself. But then by the end of this storyline... He comes around and it's like, okay, you know, they didn't just flip a switch. And all of a sudden he was like, yeah, okay, take care of me. It took a while to, for him to work through that himself.
0: And it's hard for us to understand what it'd be like to be stuck in a prison for 300 years.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, to be fair, he he had kind of, he was used to having to be stubborn to survive. And who knows what all they put him through.
0: So unless there's any other things we wanted to talk about with that plot? Let's move on to the Carl and Manel let their keeps down. Drama! Let's focus a little bit on what's happening with Carl Manel as they start up their training. And we get a new suit.
2: Still don't know how I feel about that suit.
1: I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah,
2: because Wim was like, hey, I fixed your old suit. And then, and then it's like he came in and I'm like, he no- I don't remember him ever wearing that.
0: Well, this is a suit from the future.
2: Oh, um, it's still not sure how I feel about that.
0: <laughs> is it the same colours as Kara's, just swapped which the primary and secondary colours are, so it's more red than blue?
1: It looks like
2: that, yeah. I believe so.
0: I would assume that's kind of what they were going with. I don't know what Monel's generally looks like in the comic, but this I think is maybe also more like that.
2: I just, I remember from before he usually wore like all black. I don't remember him having a red suit that's a little uncomfortably tight down below.
0: (laughs) We'll probably get used to it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And they probably had to reverse the color scheme so people wouldn't think he was Superman without the symbol. That's a good point too. Yeah.
1: It does seem very odd for him to not have any symbol at all, though, because even when you think about other characters like Batman or Green Lantern, it's like they have a symbol right there, and his is just pretty bland, I would say.
0: Presumably it's a homage to Supergirl, but it did seem a little strange
1: in design.
2: Yeah, what would his symbol be, though? Because I'm pretty sure he doesn't really want to be associated with his parents.
1: Well, I mean, if he's part of the Legion, that could have some sort of emblem for that on the suits.
2: True. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: The rings have a symbol on them, I think.
1: The right.
2: tape. That would be a much less nerdy looking way to introduce people to the symbol than the thing that they did where they did a fist bump with the rings.
0: <laughs> In these scenes, there's two of them, I think, where Monel and Kara are training. I kind of wonder why they go back to training after they know this is dangerous, but hey, they, they do it a lot. And we start to see Kara sort of under the influence of Miran and the frustration with having difficulty. Sort of letting loose on Monel. And what did we all uh, think of this bare emotion from Kara where she's normally kind of guarded with Monel?
1: I felt like it was kind of necessary so that they could just get past this sort of tension that they've been having ever since he returned. And I'm hoping that makes things a bit better between the two of them going forward because it's been a little painful to watch their relationship as of late.
2: Where he is like every single episode being like, I know this is hard for you. That's what I was really proud. Okay. With the scene where they went to get a drink and where he told her about like pestilence becoming blight. But at first he's like, Oh yeah, I'm relied to me," and she's like, okay. And she just set her foot down. She's like, we're not going to have the kind of conversation. I think we're going to be have. We're going to be friends. But any problems you have with your wife you can take up with your wife. This isn't happening. Right. And I was so proud of her.
0: The only thing that I thought was a little strange about how Kara let loose was she mainly was complaining about things that were earlier in their before their relationship. And if anything that I wanted to complain about Monel about would be how he's been acting this season and how he's been trying to talk to Kara while dealing with problems with his wife. And it seems to me like that's what she should be having issues with. And it seemed odd that they'd be sort of go back to the problems of her in general with them before they got into a relationship. That's the only bit that seemed a little a little strange.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could have been she just sort of never really dealt with some of those issues because they were like specific instances that I remember. And he grew a as a of- character and she mentioned something about like romanticizing her and him so it could be just frustrations that she never really dealt with and then with everything that's been happening it just kind of piled on more and more
1: yeah i kind of feel like i'm one of the few who wasn't too keen on their relationship in the first place. So to have them not have to deal with that anymore is kind of nice for me personally, just because I was like, I don't think this is going to work out for them ever since the beginning. And while he has changed a lot as a character, I think having them separated is going to be a lot better for the story going forward, especially now that they've sort of like, got in their Thoughts out on this whole situation here.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad she's she's moving forward. Finally, I kind of thought they were cute together, but that's just me personally. I can I can understand thinking it would not say how you know, it wouldn't work though.
0: Yeah, domestic Monel was was pretty funny, but I also did like that Monel for the most part makes no attempt to argue or disagree or make any other point. He he for the most part takes it, accepts it. And goes on. And by the end, they have what probably is the most reasonable adult conversation I've seen Carl and Manel have.
2: Yeah. Maybe they can be friends now and stop being weird all the time.
0: Oh, there's... I don't know. CW likes weird.
2: This is my, <laughs> this this is is my true. impression. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there, there was a moment when I, cause I caught up on the last two episodes, one after the other. So there was a moment where I messaged a friend and I'm like, I swear, if this goes love triangle like I think it's going to, thankfully it doesn't look like it's going that direction. But I was like, I
0: hope it doesn't.
2: I'm like, please don't go love triangle like I think you're going to. Please don't. I will lose a lot of respect for this show if it does, but I don't think it will.
0: As I think I mentioned in the previous podcast as well, is that not having Emmer show up in either of these episodes... Really does not bode well for their relationship either.
2: But that could just be unrelated things And there's, characters. I don't know. I kind of like, I like her. I do too. Even though she kept something from him, which I don't know why they kept that from him. But I like her.
0: Yeah. So going on from there, I think we should talk about what I thought was even a better plot line in this, which was the Lena and Sam plot.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Lena! <laughs> it's so great to see Lena being great.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: She's kind of become one of my favorite characters on this show.
2: <laughs> She's been one of my favorite characters since I saw which actress was playing her, because I really liked her character for a while in Merlin. So when I saw her and got to know her, I'm like, I have a favorite. And all the times that she could have gotten evil, but didn't, and I'm just like, I'm just so proud of you, Lena. She's my favorite.
0: She is really, really great. And also was really impressed with Sam's performance as well. I just just really quite adore all of the scenes. Even if I can look past the super science words of karyokinetic anomalies and my total mutations. I can look past that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping though that maybe there is if there's a way to sort of save Sam from Rain, that Lena can find it.
1: Yeah. Plus, we already know that with the amount of success that Lena has had, she's certainly had moments where she's just had to be ruthless because she's in this boys club, basically, because of the company she's running and everything like that. And she she shows that ruthlessness quite a bit in this episode when she is being mean to Sam and we know it's coming from a loving place but still to see it on the screen you're like ooh this is not going to go so well for Sam right now
2: yeah i feel bad for Sam's going to she's having you can tell she's just going to have a really hard time ever coming to terms with the whole rain thing
0: they did do a good job i thought of literally pushing her through the stages of grief in this episode it, it really hurt to watch it, but I really think they covered it well as Lena basically dragged her along through this.
2: She she fa- she forced her to face what was happening and the only way she could think of, which was forcing Rain to come out. Although I, I'm trying to, like, would Rain be that upset about never being able to see Ruby?
0: It isn't the first time that Sam's feelings towards Ruby seems to have impacted Rain, because that happened in... The- right at the end of the previous episode where we Lena figured it out.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there was that moment too when Rain and Supergirl were I think on in that prison or something and someone just shouted stuff to her about Ruby and she bolted out of the place.
2: It was it was the I don't remember the name of the blonde one with the psychic powers. I think it's just Sai. Yeah, Sai. She she forced the those. She forced that to come up in Rain's mind. Okay, that's so what it was. So there might be a bit of Sam that remains whenever Rain takes over, and it might be because of Ruby.
0: Right. There's definitely bleed, and I think that bleed will continue. I'm very confident that will uh, only continue as the season progresses.
2: That bleed might be why Rain, because we know from the future that eventually Rain leaves.
0: Though we don't know what that means.
2: Yeah, there are lots of things that that can mean.
0: Right at the beginning of that, we had the scene where Lena says, when you wake up, please be Sam, which was well delivered. But what I most liked, and which I was most concerned of, is the question of where Ruby was. Because it seemed ridiculous that Lena would be locked in a box and have no idea where Ruby was. And I really like that almost the second word that came out of her mouth was, where's Ruby? And the answer is, yes, L-Corp is so cool that they have 24-hour nanny service.
2: <laughs> yeah, but has poor Ruby, like, she's is she not probably not worried out of her mind about her mom being gone so long? I would think so. I, I'm surprised, like, has Ruby not tried to, like, reach out and ask, like, Alex or something? Like, hey, do you... You know what's going on with my mom.
0: I would assume Lena's been in contact with her. And she was the one who last talked to her about it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see Ruby next. And hopefully we'll see Ruby next episode.
1: My Mm -hmm. best guess is that Lena is just telling her she's on some extraordinarily long work trip, because that would certainly be understandable, because Sam had already been working crazy hours and forgetting things and not showing up to things. So it wouldn't be totally out of character for her to be gone on a business trip. Overall,
0: for episodes where they don't have a character... I think they did a really good job with this one where they discuss mm-hmm. where Ruby is, they cover where Ruby is, and we even see a conversation Sam is having with the character who's not on set. So I think they did a really good job of covering it as much as they could without actually giving us a scene with Ruby.
2: Right. Yeah, and I I think it actually, it was important that they included giving Sam a chance to sort of talk to Ruby. He was just probably not 100% comforted by that phone call, but now, like, Just giving her the ability to contact her daughter, I definitely appreciated that they did that.
0: We have this wonderful, wonderful scene where Lena pushes Sam to the point where she freaks out and becomes Rain. At which one, I'm quite impressed that the containment box is enough to hold a Kryptonian in.
2: A Kryptonian that can beat Supergirl to a pulp.
0: Well, yes, sorry. uh, Beyond Kryptonian, I should say. And... I was also really impressed that Lena has triggered a device there, because I briefly wondered, how did we get Sam back? Then when I watched it the second time, I saw, oh yeah, she just injected her with Kryptonian, because <laughs> Lena's smart.
2: Which is surprising, because Rain hasn't reacted that much to kryptonium before.
1: Kryptonite. She did
0: too, by injection.
2: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah.
1: I just want to know how Lena has that much Kryptonite in the first place. <laughs>
0: She's a Luther. (laughs)
1: This is true. It's probably Lex's stash that was left over from after he went to prison.
0: (laughs) If anyone on the planet I buy has Kryptonian or has Kryptonite. I did have a question about Rain's transformation, though, because it seemed to be they were suggesting that she was some type of super goth butterfly where Sam would instantaneously transform genetically into Rain and then transform back. And I really don't quite understand if that's what they're saying.
2: Yeah, it's it's weird. It makes me think, especially with Ryan's goth butterfly outfit. It makes me wonder if is the transformation kind of similar to what the Martians can do.
0: Uh, I don't think so.
2: Because, but well, with how the we we've seen that yes, Martians can also transform clothes, which makes no sense. But I'll, I'll go with it.
0: We saw Sam do the blouse ripping. Scene where it revealed Rain's costume underneath. True. Also, though.
2: But how does Sam not realize that she has Rain's costume underneath?
0: <sighs> Odd mental weirdness. I can almost cope with that, but <laughs> I didn't understand what it would mean, though, because we've seen Sam put her hand in boiling water and not be hurt by it, and we saw her take a bullet, and she wasn't really Rain at the time. So I don't quite understand what this means for when she has powers and when she can bleed and when she can't. So there's definitely something I, I don't
2: understand. Some of it could be like adrenaline-related, like whatever something triggers the fight or flight reflex. That she at least partially transforms in a way, maybe.
1: I think in the episode they tried to explain it a little more like split personality. Because if you've watched other movies or shows where split personality is prominent, the person does black out and forget they forget everything they do as the other personality, which is what happens when Sam is Rain. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, she kind of has the powers all the time, and they're just dormant until she's in danger, and then they sort of just keep her alive, but she doesn't fully become Rain until she blacks out as Sam, basically.
2: Yeah. That's... That's
0: some good headcanon there.
2: That's part of the reason that and how the first part of the season, just sort of played on the human versus Kryptonian side card. That's why I've been so adamant, like, there's a difference between Sam and Rain. And I saw this episode, it's like, yes, there is a difference.
1: Yeah, it seems more like Rain took over Sam's body and was dormant until she was needed as Rain. And we see that with Purity, too. It's like, you know, it's this whole other person taking over. So obviously with aliens being involved, everything is kind of out the window as far as logic. But my best guess is it's some, like, advanced form of split personality disorder.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's fair to say. Or you have physically different personalities.
0: I also really quite like slightly earlier when Sam was talking to Lena and Sam was getting pissed off that she dug into Lena with the line, "You ask a Luther, she'll tell you you're a supervillain." In that, every hammer sees a nail, and that was, I thought, pretty pretty hurtful. And Lena took it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
2: was, that that was a brilliant line. And we post whenever, like, he both start poking into things. Sam um, Sam does get defensive about certain subjects, and she has trust issues, which. From what we know of her, makes sense.
0: I think overall, my favorite thing about all of this is it shows that Lena has obviously the ability to be gloriously evil and cruel, yet she is a good person.
2: Yeah. Also, she has really impressive technology that can do what literally no one else is able to do. And she was also somehow able to get some of Rain's DNA or something, which I... Didn't know that was possible to do with the Kryptonian, but somehow she figured out a way to.
0: Kryptonite scalpel will do it. Uh.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't put it
2: past her.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, it, she's also, there have been evil Kryptonians before, so maybe she just keeps a little bit of Kryptonite as backup in case another evil one wanders along.
0: Uh, what did you guys think of the dream sequence, which made pretty much no sense to me?
2: That was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like, at first, it felt like it was mimicking that sort of dream sequencing Kara had, and I believe the beginning of the season.
0: Yes, definitely.
2: Except for it got really creepy. It kind of turned into the creepy dreams you get in Mass Effect 3.
0: Again, it sort of fit into my goth butterfly but idea, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious if there was any intent meant for it, but it certainly was different.
2: Is that where Sam always goes whenever rain takes over?
0: (laughs) That's possible.
2: Definitely leaves
1: some things to be explained for us.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Which they could be doing that on purpose, so that we're curious and want to keep watching. But it didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense.
0: So the last scene of the sort of plot was uh, James visiting Lena. And while it was true that sort of Lena's been lying to James and all of that, I really liked this conversation they had. In that James shows up, and he tries to be helpful and caring, but he doesn't try and be pushy about it. He doesn't try and make assumptions. Right. Lena is honest about the fact that she's keeping secrets. So it's not even the step above it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to be able to tell you everything here. And it was just a remarkably adult conversation, and I really quite liked the scene between the two of them.
2: Yeah. They're they're starting to grow on me. It did kind of... It kind of popped up out of nowhere, but it it's it kind of it's it's starting to work for me.
0: So, were there any other uh, thoughts and things you wanted to discuss about this episode before we're done?
2: I think I'm good. I'm good. Kind of hope we get to see Brainy again next episode. I miss him.
0: Yeah, I would like to see Brainy. This might be my favorite episode of the season so far. I was really really happy with this episode overall.
2: Yeah, it was it was great. It was well done.
0: So yeah, hopefully we'll see Brainy. Hopefully we'll finally see Emra, and the uh, drama will not be around Kara. And I'd like to see Ruby again and see how that's going.
2: Maybe mine Al, and Emra need counseling. That would be <laughs> fun to see.
0: A scene where they're actually talking to each other would be nice. They obviously need to talk to each other.
2: Maybe just like have them sit down and sort of reminisce, and it's kind of, one of the, like one of those cute little you remember this, you remember this, oh yeah, this is why I love you, sort of things. It's fluffy, but you gotta have a little fluff sometimes.
0: If they had the budget, I would actually have them give us a flashback to the year 3000 and uh, show what happened there. But I don't think they have the budget for that.
2: That would be cool. Yeah.
0: I'd like to thank the Incomparable Network for hosting us. Thanks to our audio editor, Seth Heasley, for making us sound much better than we are. Also, thank you all our listeners out there. We'd love to continue this discussion on the Incomparable Facebook group, the member's Slack channel, and on Twitter at SGSupercast. Finally, thank you, Brianna.
2: Glad to be
1: here.
0: And thank you, Deanna.
1: Thank you for having me back on after all this time.
0: (laughs) Well, you'll have to come back again. We'll be back following the next episode of Supergirl.